Hey, I'm Laurie. Hey, I'm Phil. Hey, welcome back to episode two of what is now, well, tentatively titled Flicks and Film with Laurie and Phil. Phil doesn't like this name. I just, I don't know. It seems a bit like school project, but that's fine. That's fun, isn't it? What are you talking about, school project? (laughs) I mean, in in terms of the name, I think the quality of what you're producing as producer Laurie is very good. And I think we've got stellar quality. I don't need to be sympathised with it. I just mean it's not that bad a name. I'll I'll be honest with you, Phil. Part of the reason is it sort of alliterates, right? Flicks and film. And uh, the URL was available. The email address is available. Thing, As we thing discussed is, last I know week, important to me. I know all of this. <laughs> and yet, my, still, my main thing I've been doing every single day is thinking, oh, what can we do? Lauren, Phil, Lauren, Phil, what's another you're still name? Tra- well, you, but you didn't think of anything, did you? You didn't think I, of anything I better? I thought of lots of things, but I just don't think you'll go for well, them. All right, run, let's <laughs> come back to that at the end. I've okay. also already paid for the web address, so let's not get down the road. <laughs> come back to that at the end of the intro. Hit me with the names. But for now, welcome back. It is called Flicks and Film, and that is because, I suppose, the central core around which this show uh, orbits is recommendations and reviews of films and Netflix shows, other streaming things we come across. But it's also going to involve, well, it might take in books, it might take in video games. I'm thinking we could do songs as well as board games and stuff, Phil, kind of whatever we want to talk about, right? Yeah, it's basically how you kill your time and we provide a guide through all of these things and recommendations. Um, And you can get in touch with us about anything that we say, your own opinions, don't be too angry. <laughs> They're fine, we can take it. Uh, now you can send all that to flixandfilm at gmail.com. That's F-L-I-X-A-N-D film at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at flixandfilm. And once I've built it, you can even revisit all these episodes. Check out our website, flixandfilm.com. Wow. Exactly. Thank you for saying that, Phil. Have you made your piece with the, the new soundtrack as well? I hadn't actually written it as we were oh, last I, I week. I really like that. That was good. I liked it. It's all jazzy and modern. Uh, modern. That's us, Phil. Back uh, up to the modern age. Uh, tell us, what are you going to be covering this week? So I think what we've agreed to cover this week is Tenet, Christopher Nolan's uh, most recent outing, perhaps mm. the killer slash saviour of cinema. Who knows? Um, mm. I think I think most people kind of get a sense of what's going on now, but we haven't reviewed it, so I'm sure there's lots of people who have seen it and want to know what other people think about it, and we're going to fill that void. Also, we're going to do a little bit on WandaVision, the new uh, Disney Plus original for the Marvel Universe, a TV show mm. starring um, the Scarlet Witch and Vision, Paul Bettany, and... I still can't believe that Paul Bettany turned up to wear makeup every week. Uh, again. Well, I'll talk all about that in a bit. Laurie hasn't seen the first episodes. I've seen them. I'm kind of curious to see Laurie's reaction as I explain the idea, because I'm not sure you even know anything about it, do you? No, I know... Well, I know what it is, but no, I, I should clue you in some behind the scenes here. I wanted to do The Mandalorian, which I am in the process of watching the first season of, and Phil said, no, 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 no. I'm trying to remember what I said we cover you've got something else from youtube as well so really I've got, these are all I've got a slightly ideas. embarrassing recommendation of what you could be watching on youtube right now and so I okay and i've uh, got some uh, some other bits to throw in in the mix we don't have a celebrity um special guest this week joe wicks isn't coming back i think he's very embarrassed after what happened uh, on his pe with joe this morning phil you sent that to me with a lot of glee i did it made me it made me chuckle i like joe but um have you actually listened to the actual sound clip no, did he pass wind on the uh, his workout? But it's not just like a little. It's it's uh, it's a properly uh, like champion worthy <laughs> fart. Good man, I bet you he took it in his stride. Yeah, it did. It's good. It's good. <laughs> uh, so no Joe Wicks this week. No guest this week. Uh, let's get on with the show. 
Okay, we're going to talk about Tenet now. And uh, do you want the trailer straight up? I imagine people have got at least an idea what Tenet is. Although, well, isn't that the, the, isn't point, that the isn't thing? It? Isn't that it? Christopher Nolan came back with a bang, even during Pandemic Zone, as Phil sort of teased at the beginning, to either save or show the death uh, of the feature film industry. I don't know, Phil, did you think he succeeded? I think it didn't succeed quite the way he hoped. I think it was quite popular, wasn't it? I don't actually have the figures in front of me, but I think no, it's been it a didn't bit do of a nearly as well as they down. thought. They not? thought it would um, absolutely mop it up because there was no competition. But surprisingly, with a global pandemic, people didn't really want to go sit in a big box with lots of other people. No, it's not a good experience, is it? Especially if you had to wear a mask the entire time. That is something you do not have to do. But uh, I did go see it in home. the cinema, so I saw it at the time. You watched it yesterday from the comfort a couple of, of days your ago, very own yeah. home. I did via Amazon Prime. Uh, we paused in the middle. And uh, we had some whiskey and G&Ts. I, I mean, feel like I that basically invalidates with that. anything you say, isn't it? <laughs> you have to, mate. Babies, babies crying. What are you going to do about that? I couldn't bring her down to watch it. Okay, <laughs> now, should we do the she trailer? She um, anyway. Starring John David Washington as sort of a spy or at least some sort of secret service individual. Uh, we meet him going through an operation. It's sort of being hazed, really, as some sort of spy to figure out whether he's the right sort of stuff for a secret organisation trying to prevent World War Three. But the catch is he doesn't know who the enemies are. Not really. He doesn't really know what his mission is. He just gets a symbol and a word, Tenet, and his hands together like he's a cheesy talk show host. Uh, and then he kind of just has to go and do his thing. And you watch him take initiative, meet people and basically be confused for over two hours. Maybe right the way through to the end. We'll come all to that in a minute. Here's what it sounds like. One of these bullets is like us. Travelling forwards through time. The other one's going backwards. Can you tell which is which? How about now? Why does it feel so strange? You're shooting the bullet. You're catching it. Oh, who's the American? He seems nice. I invited him to the dinner. It's good with fists for a diplomat. There are people in the future who need us. You got something. Not gonna like it. Time isn't the problem. Getting out alive is the problem. What do you think we're seeing? The detritus of a coming war. Well, there we go. I mean, so what you will have immediately spotted is if I had to sort of cut around the dialogue there, that particular trailer maybe was a bad choice. Uh, it was it described as the final trailer. Hardly any dialogue in it, but is that a little bit like the way the film is? A lot of sound bites strung together, and it's kind of your job to patch it up. Do you agree with that? Well, I mean, that has been the big controversy: is that uh, lots of the dialogue is swallowed by this impossibly loud, uh, boombastic audio and action. And Christopher Nolan perhaps saying it doesn't matter if you can follow what's going on. You just need to have the really? general. Did he actually say that? Is that official? I think he's gone on record as saying that he doesn't. He's not really interested in details. He wants to give you the idea of what's going on. And also, there is a sense I think where he says that it's it's too complicated to follow or to try and explain it to the audience. So he doesn't want them to worry about it. That's a really silly thing to say if you're the filmmaker. I think. And there's that scene with Clements Posey. Uh, saying don't try to understand it that is a quote i think from i think film, that's genuinely it? what he wants the audience to do is say don't worry about this yeah. i've done all the thoughts time inversions a thing now let's have some really fun action so here's the thing is that i've got way too many notes about this film <laughs> as maybe it's been out of the saddle for a while for this kind of review 
Um, so I can give them to you if you like. They're sort of all chronological. But I can tell you right at the, the top here, it's interesting that he didn't collaborate with Hans Zimmer on this particular one. You would have thought, given how similar to Inception it is in some ways, that Hans Zimmer would have been a natural guy to work with and he big was blasting busy. horns. Well, is that what he said? How interesting. Maybe he doesn't want to be sort of too lassoed to Christopher Nolan, but he's gone with Ludwig Goransson, who is the guy behind the Mandalorian soundtrack as well, um, and kind of a more minimalist uh, version of Hans Zimmer, but quite telling, I think. But still, the effect is the same. You've got these driving drums, a big sort of sound design soundscapes that take over the dialogue. And I should tell you at this point, it didn't bother me at all because we turned on subtitles, which you also can't do in a Did cinema. Did you? That is so yeah. sneaky because that's what everyone wanted to be able to do. I wish I could have done that. So you probably followed the story in a completely different way. Your experience of watching this movie is not at all how the majority of the country who went and saw it, probably better. all the Christopher Let's Nolan be fans, went yeah. straight into the cinema, COVID whatever, and watched it and thought, what, huh? My experience yeah, yeah. watching it was with my old housemate, uh, Nathan, who is another film fan. And uh, I found it quite comforting him being there because it meant I could turn to him uh, kind of midway through and just check in. Do you understand what's going on? And he said, not a clue, mate, not a clue. Yeah. And that was kind yeah. of reassuring and comforting that it wasn't my fault. I'm not an idiot. It just is maybe not the clearest filmmaking. Well, it, it has to be that way because of the content of the film. We can come on to that. But, I, you know, the reason we turned on the subtitles wasn't because we couldn't hear the dialogue. It was because we were like eating crisps, <laughs> noisy food. <laughs> and you can't, you don't want the, you know, you want to enjoy your crisps without ruining the film. Plus, at one point, my daughter woke up and started crying as well. And it's just kind of helpful to not be distracted. But you're, I think you're right. Inadvertently, I think we gave ourselves a better experience of this film than most people. So I didn't have any trouble hearing what was being said or understanding the scenes. The only thing that was muddled and confused was the script and the story itself. Ooh, what a smackdown. Well, thank you. Are we spoiling or not? I think we should, probably. I think probably people who are interested in seeing it have seen it. And those yeah. of you who haven't, pause it now. Go watch it. You can rent it. And then... Play, press play. The deal is, of course, that he actually is the boss of his own mission and he's discovering everything late in the game. And he and because it's sort of a big time loot, a time loop, he's in control whilst also being completely mystified. And so the nature of the plot means that you cannot know what is going on until the very end. And even when you do, because time continues on, you still can't know everything because there are a few mysteries. And the closest you get to the loop being closed is um, Robert Pattinson's character walking Neil. off to his death. Neil, thank you, uh, knowing apparently, or at least it's implied that he knows that he's walking off to his death. But it, it is by its nature confusing. You have to know almost nothing. The protagonist, called the protagonist, has to know almost nothing for the entire point of the story to work. Hence, it's quite unsatisfying because you're as... Con the f people in the film are confused. You're confused because you're all caught in spider Christopher Nolan's giant web <laughs> of uh, mystery and deceit. But I feel like this is just him playing Puppet Master. And I think he's thinking, let's do Inception again. Let's get it so that film fans love picking apart all of the layers of my films. I'm going to do a film where you have to watch it first. And then once you know the ending, then you can go back and watch it again. It becomes completely new to you again and all this sort of stuff. It's, it, I wonder if he's designed it to be this sort of big blockbuster spectacle that it forces you or is encouraging you to go pay for multiple tickets. So you but you've really got to care, again. haven't you? You've really got to care enough about it to do that. I was on Reddit seeing all these people saying, is Neil actually 
Elizabeth Debicki's son. Uh, Ian, what I can't remember what his son is called in the film, and, and later on he meets John David Washington. Max. Thank you. Yes, Max is right. Blah blah. I didn't. I didn't care about any of that stuff. Mainly because I was so entranced by Kenneth Branagh's performance. Actually, oh, he's and terrible. I, he's terrible. I don't man. agree at all. I he don't agree that he's terrible. Movie no, far. because when he appeared on I the screen, I thought, "What's this? What's this joke? What's this joke that Kenneth Branagh's in this playing a baddie?" And then I literally. 10 minutes later, went to IMD to say, is it Kenneth Branagh or is it just someone who really looks like <laughs> Kenneth Branagh? That's how much, eventually, his performance won me over. No, he was it's not ridiculous. Terrible. It's ridiculous. He's doing the dumbest... Re- I thought ever since he's been in a Christopher Nolan film, I think the first one was Dunkirk, I just think, I think actually I've got a chip on my shoulder about Kenneth Branagh. I don't think he's a good actor at all. I disagree, think he's Shakespearean theatre, no. but he's terrible. He's, it's like Man. he's in a school play. Watch it again, as you've just been suggesting Chris Nolan wants you to do, and watch his physicality. That's the thing to watch out for, because he looks like a big, tough man, or no, at least someone who was, who, was, who once looks like was a, big and tough. He looks like a dad playing a Russian. No. That's what he looks like. Big debate. Big debate. That's this one for the polls, isn't it? Let's see who's right. Is uh, Kenneth Branagh good in this film, or is he terrible? I would argue that the person who stands out in the film by far as the most interesting and well-played person is uh, Robert Pattinson's character. I think he Neil. is no, interesting he's just sympathetic. Character. No, 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 I think he is interesting. No, you because... like his character. No, 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 he, no, no. His performance is fine. Hey, I listen to you, Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> but let me tell you, what I, the reason why I think that's interesting and also a little bit funny is that Christopher Nolan has been uh, sort of accused of inserting himself into uh, the main role. If you look at um, what, he, what Christopher he Nolan actually looks like. He inserted his hair anyway, like, didn't he? He slicks back his hair. And yet all yeah. of the main characters have slicked back hair, except for this film, because no, it's uh, John David Washington. He can't possibly be accused of casting after himself. Yeah, And yeah. yet the main character in this doesn't have a name, doesn't have any characteristics. And yet the character that probably has the most impact in terms of emotional decisions and sacrifice is the sort of uh, Christopher Nolan surrogate, I think, again. Personally, I was really heartened to see the Triwizard Tournament on screen anyway. <laughs> I actually, uh, the, the, the first actual first thing I looked up on IMDb after the film was over was uh, the actor who played Victor Crumb. Because I was like, if he didn't give Victor Crumb a cameo in this film, he's missed out on a wave of Potter fans who really could have taken this uh, to the top of the box office. And he didn't give him a cameo. Not even Danny Radcliffe was in there. But uh, Fleur Delacour was, and Cedric Diggory. But you can spot somebody who does look a lot like Victor Crumb, who I think is worth paying attention to, who you might not realise who it is. It's Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh, he is it really? I did not You wouldn't know him. it. He's got a huge beard on. He kind of is a non-character, and yet he kind of appears at the end. He's the last, the three of them all decide to break up that little weird tube, the sort of Christmas present wrapping. Ives. Device. My thing was, I thought some of the ideas were actually quite clunky um, in the execution, the production value, the, the the inversion machine, I thought was like a weird sort of revolving door. Why was that? Inception, it just had some suitcases and it was really interesting and fun and you could play with it quite easy. It's very flexible. I don't know why everyone had to wear masks. I know scientifically, in inverted commas, they can't breathe in oxygen. So how are they going to breathe? Who cares? It's like a magical thing anyway. Make it more interesting. Make it more engaging. Having people's masks on in the front of their faces isn't particularly interesting because you lose half their face to. But to it does mean it. that you get the two halves of the same scene thing. This is what I mean about it. Look, the the actual function of the film is why it's a confusing mess because you need to have the moment where John David Washington fights himself, right? And the only way to do that and have any sense of mystery is to have them wearing masks. So it is quite convenient that you don't know who any of these people are. And I'm sure you can come up with a better way. reason that makes more sense from filmic point of view. 
I think sometimes you need to just kind of go with what makes sense for for the movie rather than reality or, or whatever. And I don't think having a, I think you could come up with a better reason why David, John David Washington has to cover his face when he fights himself. I think that would be better than having people always wearing masks and being confusing and frustrating and just not very visually appealing. I know what you mean in that they don't do enough with it to make it really interesting. The closest you get to it, and in fact, that's one of my criticisms overall, is that they don't push any of the things far enough. So they have this thing about the bullets going backwards, and they have a whole scene with Clements Posey where he's basically using the force, right? You have to feel it and anticipate it. You know, um, I, I can't really explain it. Just watch the film. Um, <laughs> and then they don't, do anything, they don't do anything with that. They just imply it. But he doesn't. there aren't any cool moments where he catches a bullet, even though they bring up the idea of catching bullets. I mean, come on. Why bring that? It's a bit Chekhov gun, right? Why bring that up if then you're not going to do yeah, anything Yeah, I can think of it. immediately something cool. He catches a bullet and then puts it in his gun and fires it again or something right. like that. And then the same thing with the explosion with the car. They have it one moment where it all ices up inside the car and he survives. And it's as if that whole device and the whole reason it's been brought up is just so that he doesn't die in an explosion. <laughs> like, And that's what... You know what I mean? And I thought that again and again and again. And right at the end, when Neil turns up again... Um, to, I think I guessed who it was. I had already thought by that point, one thing that you could do with this turnstile machine, I actually disagree with you. I quite like the fact that it was just a revolving door because it made the device irrelevant. But the it point made it was, clunk- clunky. Some people are, no, I don't think so. Some people are going backwards in time. Some people are going forwards. Actually, it's kind of simple. They're just walking through different corridors. I quite like that idea. Um, but I realised you could live a week going one direction, go into a turnstile and live the same week going back another direction, go to another turnstile to live the week you know, forwards again, and then do another one backwards so that you could have four or five of the same person in one scene. I don't think they did anything with having multiple instances of themselves all knowing more than they did the first time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was surprising. They only did it at the end with Neil turning up and instantly dying. So I can't. I just thought across the board, this is an idea. It's a Christopher Nolan illusion around which a story has been built. And actually it reveals... Well, he is, as I said, as a director, he's kind of, he just has his ideas. He doesn't really care that much about the audience. He just wants to make a film around a mystery. I, uh, I think he would make a great sketch character who's really jealous of David Copperfield. <laughs> he's just a magician. It's funny you mention yeah. that because obviously everyone talks about prestige and how it, it's like an, yeah. an allegory to filmmaking. You have the pledge and then you, you bring it back and everything like that. I think the flaw in this film throughout is not just the, it's not really the confusion I think the action scenes themselves are really quite exciting and enjoyed. I enjoyed the airport scene. I didn't really enjoy care about the airplane crashing into it. I thought that was a bit meh. But I really enjoyed the the bit with the fire trucks and then kind of Mission Impossibling it, blocking in the 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 uh, vehicle. Interesting they need that to get. you say that. I really like those sort of scenes. But there's no pledge. There's no setup. There's no um, Danny Ocean talking to his crew saying we need to get past the security guards and we need to do this. They keep on having these amazing sort of heist missions. Uh, sort of spy missions but they never kind of give the stakes to the audience that means you care i just was not invested and i think that's my problem without the whole film is i never felt invested and then afterwards i thought well i enjoyed the ride as a roller coaster but is the story like where do you go from there where do you go from there and i think this is why i said the thing at the beginning i think crystal nolan wants you to go back and watch it again with new fresh eyes and be amazed and wowed at all of his intricacies but actually i don't think it was that intricate i think no. it was a little bit like you said, a bit of a puff piece. Do you want me to run down my list of things and see what whether you react to these? Yep. Uh, so this is vaguely chronological, but here it is. First up, Porcello. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
<laughs> first scene one of the bad guys who invades the opera house just stamps on the cello for no reason at all he just crushes it but it's really distressing to see an intro like that get smashed oh, really you sad. music nerds are all crying well, out no, in I, agony. I bet you a lot of people will agree I bet you they will no uh, I'm joking next one, it's precious instruments yep Thanks, Phil. Yeah. Um, when they're talking about getting into, I can't remember Priya's husband's name, but the uh, Indian guy, the arms dealer's impossible to breach um, sort of stronghold. John David Washington's like, I just need 10 minutes with him. And uh, uh, Robert Pattinson's like, not possible. Can't be done. He said, I just need 10 minutes. He's like, but it's not the getting in that's the problem. It's getting out. Literally the next sentence, he's like, I've got an idea. <laughs> Let's use a bungee. <laughs> so it turns out it was it was really possible. Beyond that, it was incredibly easy. <laughs> this is what I mean. They don't they don't explain it or set it up. Before you even realise what's going on, they're bunging up a wall. And you're like, okay, why are they doing this? And then you kind of brain catch I agree, up. Phil. Um, and then another one, poor ambulance guy. I don't know if you remember this. John David Washington knocks on the door and just punches the paramedic. <laughs> He's just he doing looks his like job. Just poor paramedic. He's an ambulance guy. Uh, reminding me all a bit of the Da Vinci Code, especially when we got to the ridiculous algorithm machine what is it it's a hard it's sort of a, um, a tactile algorithm right so it's not data it is actually you need all the pieces together to create the algorithm but i was thinking like if this was made it just looks like connects it really does look like that and also if this is made by this a sort of future scientist they draw two parallels with the atomic bomb right um then she probably has notes and she probably used computers <laughs> she probably so used google that, drive like let's be real yeah. she probably kept it online and accessible well, completely obviously data retrieval is not possible so they go with the <laughs> Kinex uh, edition instead. Silly. I only had one thought. My my only bonus thought was that was the slowest plane crash ever. They made a big deal of it. The plane's going to crash. Into it was a real it. plane. And it was like that was two it. minutes of just like it, like it was it was like you were sat in the airplane waiting to kind of take off or land. You know that awful taxiing. You're like, come on, what's taking so long? Why are we not moving? I said to Judith, you would think that an airport had some kind of emergency procedure. Like if, I don't know, like if it just started rolling really slowly towards a building. They might have something they could do, but they did nothing. They just looked shocked. Uh, Okay, I'm sorry, I've got a few more of these. Nearly done. Tenet's a palindrome. Almost certainly that is why he's chosen the word tenet. Um, and I suppose the word boob would have made such a good um, <laughs> well, you know, word. Just to, just to round it out and give a little bit of credit to Chris Nolan. Chris Nolan, I'm going to call him now. Uh, give a bit of credit to Chris. It's based on that um, palindromic square thing, which is where the the opera... The reason why opera's in there is that the tenet is the middle line of these nine, sort of, or whatever it is, 16 um, squares of letters. And each of the ways it's used, each of the square words that form from this little square of letters is incorporated into the movie hence why there's an opera house and all this completely stuff. missed all of that and doesn't add anything to me i was just thinking i thought a cleverer idea was that the reason to have a palindromic password is that someone who's going backwards in time saying tenet you could still understand it reversed speech it's a tenet square it's the the sator square so sator was the name of the guy in it arepo is right. uh, in there there's opera Everything's a, a palindrome of each other. How extremely dull. Well, who cares? Sator is uh, rotors backwards. <laughs> we just got to do our time rotor. Are you going in first or second? Doesn't make sense to me. I mean, that's the kind of depth that's meaningless. We did this before on the other podcast. Who cares about symbolism? I don't. Unless it's sort of made a point of. Doesn't matter. That's the end of that. Next up, something from Phil. So, Laurie, this week I'm going to recommend some stuff on YouTube that you maybe wouldn't have come across, but I actually think is quite therapeutic and lovely. And um, mm, you're you, making you, me nervous now. Have you heard of speedrunners? 
Yes, I am familiar with speedrunning. This is people who play video games and they play the same video game so many times they get sort of weirdly amazing at it. It's like a bobsleigh run exactly. for video games. It's how quickly can you get through this video game. It's all planned and scripted, and yet they find all these cheats, these little uh, nooks and crannies they can go into in the virtual world to escape and get around barriers and, and hack, hack the system so that they can get a few more seconds off. And uh, there's one particular channel I want to recommend. is Games Done Quick, which is kind of the uh, the official package version of speedrunning you can watch speedrunners there's loads of them out there running games as fast as they can but i want to talk about awesome games done quick and uh summer games done quick as well it's for charity and they do this sort of marathon of all these different speedrunners coming together to showcase their skills and people donate and stuff like that it raises millions of millions of dollars um people watch it it's a kind of biannual not biannual what's twice a yearly thing i think that might be biannual i'm not totally sure I think it's biannual, or it would be annual by biweekly. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, fortnightly. It's, it, I think you are right. Two it's annual, twice, twice, a twice a year, twice a year. I'll just say twice a year. Stick with that. Not the is it Latin? I don't know. I don't anyway, know. Anyway, <laughs> they do it twice a year, and it's fantastic. And I just find myself watching quite a lot of these videos of video games I played when I was a kid. And just being marvelled by them, and it made me think of the the my yesteryears as a child, as a nostalgic man, thinking of watching you play video games and being the me. one that I had to sit there and watch as you did all the levels yourself. This is a common story that gets told because I don't particularly remember these days. You wouldn't. Suppose, you were playing lovely video why games. Would I rem- <laughs> why would I remember you watching me so much as just playing the games? Yeah, exactly. Do you know, it's funny. I have talked about this before because a lot of people have recommended speedrunning to me, and I admit it's not something that's ever captured my fancy in that way but i have seen the huge conventions and events that go on where people try and break records and it is massively popular and i, I have a feeling that the secret is the word that you uh, used right at the beginning that it's therapeutic right that somehow it's calming overall i think it's just quite nice seeing people do stuff really really well and ha- having very very low stakes because nobody's going to get injured unlike a bobsleigh where somebody might <laughs> flip over and bust their head open you might get some sort of carpal tunnel or something like that. I don't know, repetitive strain yeah. injury. But generally speaking, these are just guys just playing video games really, really well. And what I particularly like is they often have some mates doing commentary and explaining how brilliant um, the the person playing the game is. Often the person playing the game isn't really talking at all. They're just sort of well, really focused. Well, they're focused, focused, aren't they? Yeah. And like their yeah. mum pops up saying, well done, honey, you're doing great. And they just ignore <laughs> it. They're speed running. They don't care about their parents at that moment. They're trying to get seconds off their time. And the commentators, though, what I really love about them is when you've got a good one, occasionally you get really bad ones who are really awkward. But a couple of times you get some really, really just heartwarming people who are just super stoked for this person running the game. Yeah, that's Doing cool, it really it? well. And they're like, oh, that was so sick. That's so hard to do. You have to get within four frames or else you can't do the trick. And, oh, he's just doing it so well. That's my American accent. Um, but it's just so heartwarming. You're dead right. Commentate. There's a reason why, uh, you know, football matches are commentated on. It does amp up the excitement and it draws you into something. And when someone else is pointing out how wonderful something is, it's hard not to get swept up by that. And, you know, I couldn't agree more with this. It's something that I think lockdown probably has proved to a lot of people is that there are so many genuinely great and affirmative, is that what I'm looking for? Affirmative communities out there that you can get involved with. And I think it's suddenly revealed to me you know why Rod Stewart, for example, has a massive like. Have you not heard this? He's got a huge city, train city. 
in his basement. He spent years and years building a massive, <laughs> massive train set. Yeah, look it up. Rod Stewart, you know, phenomenal rock star, residency in Las Vegas, all this stuff. He's a big tr- like model train fan. And I think the more you look into these people who are kind of old and famous, because you don't, you know, you don't know everyone and their hobbies uh, once they get older, but famous people, you do tend to find out that stuff. They often sort of end up in these little communities of diehard fans and why not just settle down and get involved? It's why people enjoy medieval reenactments and do like uh, sword battles out in fields and jousting and that kind of thing. Do you know uh, what Tom Hanks is super into? Tell me. Typewriters. There you go. <laughs> Good old typewriter Tommy. Tommy typewriter Hanks. He's, I think he's written a book on it and stuff. Ah, oh, bless him. Loves, loves, loves typewriters. There you go. So even if you think, you know, this is the lamest thing you've ever heard, if you can't imagine anything more dull, people say this kind of thing, than watching someone else play a video game then I think you're right to say, Phil, give it a chance to be swept up by the community. And, and honestly, how wonderful is it? There are people out there who just love this and love to talk about it. And I've found other people who love this and love to talk about it. And I like to watch other people be happy, to be perfectly honest. It is it's genuinely nice. And just to go back to the commentator thingy, what I really love about this is that they're not like sort of people who've done a professional degree in journalism and commentating. These are people who are also speedrunners, but they don't select the kind of average person to do it. They choose these people. They're like nominated to represent the community in that particular moment during this huge stream where they're trying to raise millions of doctors, uh, millions of dollars for doctors. And so they're watching the guy who's better than them or the girl who's better than them. And so their genuine joy is like, that guy is brilliant. They're better than uh, I am. And that's like quite a genuinely heartfelt thing. Wholesome's the word. Yeah, man. like Big watching time. somebody just be genuinely happy for somebody else who's better at the thing that they love to do. How can you say no to that? So what's the channel again? Uh, Games Done Quick is like a, an amalgam of all these different runs. You can watch individual videos. I was watching Halo 3 get done in an hour, like unbelievably wow, really? quickly. Yeah, exactly. That's a hard wow. game as well. Yeah, and it's quite fun watching them do the bits that you found difficult uh, when you were a kid and they just like absolutely nail it without, without any issues whatsoever. They just kind of, yeah, that's that boss done in five seconds. Boom. It's it's great, man. I don't. I'd recommend it. I keep on going back to it, even though it's kind of ner- nerdy and embarrassing. I still love it. Do you think um, what we're doing is nerdy and embarrassing? This podcast. Yes. Do you think anyone gets yes. a, gets yes, a yes, kick yes, out yes, of that? Yes, 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 yes. But there's joy <laughs> to be found in the things that you find nerdy but cool. Yeah, oh, big time, man. One of the big life lessons, I'm sure of it. All right, Phil. This is just a, a, a little thing that I've been thinking about. I, I don't know whether you picked up new stuff in lockdown, but one of the things that's happened to me is um, we've started making a lot more stuff. I know sourdough starters became almost a cliche, right? Um, yeah. My wife, Jude, she's big into the sourdough and she's done a really good job. They are delicious, uh, the loaves Smelly she Smelly but great. Yeah, but then the closest I've come to it, really, I tried to get into uh, Japanese cuisine. And you'll know this, of course, because you, as you promised, will have watched an episode of Midnight Diner and you see all these meals being made. And you kind of think, I'm going to have a go at that. So my, my cupboard's full of dried shiitake mushrooms and anchovies. <laughs> <laughs> I had zero success in actually finding the time to do it. But part of the reason that doesn't happen for me is that whenever I log on to these food websites to find out about a recipe I want to try, whether it's pancakes or I've tried to find look up how to make waffles without a waffle maker. Turns out it's impossible. People are giving me stupid, <laughs> stupid, stupid recipes about buying something else. Why am I? You're raging dumb. that moment. <laughs> I'm so it was angry like the radio it. side of you just went oh, right out the window. So angry. Rage. Are, I'm, I'm trying to find ways to make waffles without buying something that I don't have, you idiot. <laughs> um, but anyway, even idiot. these great recipes <laughs> that I was finding 
What is the deal with people writing such long and boring stories? You've got to have the story, man. You can't. You no, can't. you don't have, have to have the story. You want to read about you their grandmother kidding. who gave you them a are... wedding dress and oh. then they spilled wine on it and they had to use baking soda to Honestly, get out of it. Honestly, who cares? I can't deal with it. Either it's good for SEO or something and search discovery. But the fact that these food bloggers who do very good recipes, well done on the recipe, write the most boring drivel about their day and about how much their kids love this meal. Honestly, there's something about it that makes me livid. (laughs) I think you're not alone, man. And I, the person to blame is that Julia and Julia lady who who made it, managed to make it into a movie played by uh, Amy Adams or Isla Fisher. Her food blog. Is everyone trying to get a movie made out of that? Of course they are. She was in the movie. No, but you're wrong about this, Phil, because what I realised is that journalists do it as well. Like proper professional journalists. Is there anyone who isn't depressed and annoyed when they open up an interview with Bob Dylan and say, I arrive at the hotel in my best shoes. <laughs> he walks in and casually, like he's saying Smooth Hello, jazz is playing in the lobby. Oh, <laughs> pulling my teeth out. Just ask the questions, oh, get the answer, get move on. I don't ca- Honestly, journalists, man, you're not a Hunter S. Thompson. No one cares about you. You're not a gonzo. Like, just stop it and give me the interview. I'm not interested in you. I, don't, I just don't understand how people haven't got the picture yet. But Laurie, how would you be able to picture Bob Dylan in your mind unless you know what colour his scarf is? A photo? How about a photo? There are these things called cameras. And you know what? There's these things called phones as well. Because you know you're going to have to look through nauseating images of behind the scenes. Here's me with Bob Dylan on their Twitter feed. That's enough. I don't need you to write it as well. Your writing isn't that good. And that's the worst part of it is it reveals these journalists raking in the dough on their national um, broadsheets, whatever it is. They're not that great writers, really. Because, man, it's boring. Oh, boy. Anyway, that's... that's it started out as a happy, like, let's do a recipe to... Yeah, that's where it took me. And I wanted to share that and vent on uh, on this podcast. What is a podcast for if you cannot vent these frustrations? But thank you for reassuring me that I'm not alone in this. I don't. I think there's many people who hate that little bit. I just scroll <laughs> through it as fast as I can. And just the amount of ads and ridiculousness before you get to do this, do this, do this result. Honestly, maybe that's the reason. Anyway, look, there, there's that. Uh, send in your own thoughts on uh, <laughs> annoying modern trends. That's uh, Flicks and Phil. Don't you hate it when you have to do this? Uh, or at Flicks and Phil. People love this stuff, man. I'm telling you. Okay, here's the final little chunk of our meaty sandwich. We've had the meat. We've had the cheese. What about some cool little lettuce to cool us down? Oh, refreshing. <laughs> What a weird metaphor. Well, it's funny you say that because we've got a very weird thing right now, which is WandaVision. Have you heard about this, Laurie? It's Scarlet Witch and the Vision in a TV show. I almost couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it. And I, I was trying to think, who pitched this? Why did they pitch this? And why was it greenlit? And they must be holding some kind of trump card. They must think they've got a real winner on this. But I haven't seen it. You have. Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to kind of thread the needle between what you feel, which is like, what is this? Ugh. And it's not, ugh. I'm not saying, ugh. I just am bemused. It's You're no, no saying ugh, a little bit. There's a little, ugh. It's, <laughs> it's sort of bemused. Ugh. That's what I'm going to say it is. And I think I feel like that a lot as well. And I think quite a lot of people who will watch the show will feel similarly. Ugh. Because last time we left uh, Scarlet Witch and the Vision, it was quite a sad moment. I don't know if you remember. Spoilers for Avengers Actually, Endgame. I, I remember it being sad, but it's all just a big CGI merge in my head. Actually, I can't really picture what happened. Well, as you well know, Laurie, 
the vision is made with one of the stones, the infinity stones oh, on his forehead. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so in order yeah. to protect the world and the universe from Thanos and his evil clicking powers, they had to destroy the last stone, which happened to be on Vision's forehead. And so the only person who could do it was the person in love with him. And so she did her weird little wiggly fingers and his head explodes or just the crystal on his face explodes, and he what dies. A way to end the she has had to I mean... kill her her lover, oh, her, her the man, the machine thing that is the vision. Better said that he chose to sacrifice himself because she didn't just catch him by surprise. <laughs> just there, there goes the stone. Uh, did you know? I, I this is why I said at the beginning. I genuinely thought uh, Paul Bettany does not look like someone to me who is anxious to return to that much uh, prosthetic stuff on his face. But here he is, right? I think he's anxious to return to the money. That's what I will say. Um, <laughs> the Vision is a uh, painted red. He's a, a sort of android esque uh, synth- synthesoid. I think is what they said in press and things <sighs> like that. A synthesoid, and somehow they've magically appeared in this new 1950s sitcom. Um, and that is kind of what it is. They're in this sitcom, they're married life. She's got magical powers, a bit like she's in Bewitched. He's sort of the classic sort of family man working for the boss and having to invite him around for dinner. Mr. Hart, they've got to invite him around for dinner. There's a classic misunderstanding. So we've got a lovely little 1950s homage uh, as a major blockbuster sort of TV show. What is to... the point? What is the point? Exactly. Why? What is going on? And that's kind of the mystery, because obviously things are not as, as it seems, especially as you've watched the first episode, the, the, the camera pulls back from the end credits as they sort of gurn at the camera with smiley faces. And there's something extra going on. There's a little Marvel Easter egg at the end. I'm sort of enjoying the idea of it. I think I enjoy the ambition of trying to do something very weird right from the outset. And while it has hinted in the first two episodes of these sort of, oh, what's going on? Some mystery... The actual weird part about it is they are actually trying to do a sitcom show. So there is like a classic sitcom storyline happening with gags and jokes and then being sort of ridiculous. Is it funny? Is it like, does it work? Or does it all feel like a big sort of amateur dramatics show? Here's what I'll say. The show is half an hour long, which is too long to have a sort of homage to Leave It to Beaver or I Love Lucy. It's way too long because the gags are literally 1950s gags and you kind of think, oh, this is fun. But here's the big thing. I think this show is going to set up all of the Marvel movies to come because that's my feeling. We haven't had a Marvel movie since Avengers, uh, the Spider-Man one, the second Spider-Man one. And there's just a big kind of gap at the moment, it seems, between the Marvel movies and I think this show is going to be the linchpin on which all of these new ideas spring from. And so I do not think it's one you want to miss if you're a fan of the Marvel films. Um, but I, I just genuinely find it baffling that they've decided to do basically kind of a pastiche homage as like a full half an hour. It's so slow. Maybe their marketing department or whatever, or maybe they're just as genuinely creative talking has spotted a bit of fatigue we talked about that at the end superhero fatigue it's kind of settling in people were disappointed with endgame right avengers endgame no they weren't they were they disappointed thought, with it a little bit come no, on no, we no, were no. a little bit no, i was no, no. um it was great man all right fine blah, blah 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 i was a bit disappointed but superhero fatigue's real right and people think they know what they're getting so maybe this is a way of saying well you, you thought superhero genre didn't have anything more to offer check this out but i'm almost certain it's a bait and switch so here's this really weird thing that you can't ignore you might have strong opinions about it, but you can't miss it. Um, but then by the end of it, it is, as you say, going back to some big threat. 
that they're going to need another 24 superhero films to deal with. But here's, here's going back to the rather than the big picture, just getting into the nitty gritty of this is a TV show. What's interesting is you've got Catherine Hahn. Do you know Catherine Hahn? Yeah, she's great. I like Catherine Hahn. She's really good in it. She's got the, she's very, um, very, very funny. It's reminding me a lot of her, her stint as a kind of recurring guest character on Parks and Recreation as the political advisor. I can't remember her name, but she was great on that. In this, she's sort of got a super cheesy grin. She's the neighbor next door and she's providing a lot of, I think, actual amusing bits. But what's really interesting is um, Paul Bettany is not really a comedic a- actor at all, which is very surprising to me because he was very funny as um, Jeffrey Chaucer in A Night's yeah. Tale. But Love he cannot film. do the gags in this. He can't do it. That's odd to me. It's It's genuinely a bit surprising. So he's just there sort of flapping around being just Britishly boring. So are you saying that's accidental, as in that he's trying to do the gags and they're not landing, or they've written him that way? I think that he's trying to do the gags and he is not able to do a 1950s sitcom, which is really interesting because he's a good actor. He's a well-regarded actor, I think. He, I mean, he's been in uh, Beautiful Mind and stuff like that. He's not exactly he? done that much work, though, has he? I think his heyday is kind of in the past now, actually. I don't think that... I'm not saying I think <laughs> Hence he's why bad. he's doing, uh, doing red face makeup. But I do think compared to all the stuff that's been coming out of superhero stuff like this, I think what's interesting about this is it's not quite what you'd expect. It might be exactly as Laurie has suggested. Maybe that's the way it's going. But I'm sort of intrigued and they seem to be moving along. So they're not going to stay in the 1950s uh, sitcom. They're going to move through the, the, de- the decades of sitcoms as they do it. And you get the whole idea, WandaVision, like television. Coming, I'm thinking now, is it? Like one di- di- one direction, one div- one division, one division. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, something in those there. marketing guys were probably really chuffed when uh, I came up with this idea. One division. It might not have been the marketing team. It has that feel to me, or something, or like they just put all these creative people in a room and said, "Give us something new. Give us something that people haven't seen before." I don't know. But I'm well. I'm glad, Phil, that you retain hope, and uh, I'll give it a go. I just am not. I don't have that big an appetite for irony anymore. Like when you watch something and it's clearly a send off, you know, it depends whether it's an homage or an ironic version of something. It's a kind of a hollow sense of fun, isn't it? You generally prefer things to be what they are. I think that's where most of the, the belly laughs are to be had. Otherwise, you're just a titter, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I understand that reference. Well, that's the thing. Half an hour of like this is yeah. really yeah, surprising. Yeah, yeah, and I'm kind of like amazed and aghast, agog, uh, at the, the fact that they've done this. They've put a lot of money in this and i'm kind of curious whether or not it's hitting with audiences or not isn't a gog uh, from les mis i am aghast i am a gog exactly has philip lost his mind that's one of the songs isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah right, right yeah okay well thanks phil i i'm gonna take that seriously so it's um it doesn't sound good but it sounds like it might get better and the big thing is what a mystery Disney, what are you up to? But I think the bigger mystery is why would they make it a half-hour show? Well, this is a whole other topic. I think um, we're moving away from the big hour-long shows. I much prefer a shorter show. I don't know about you. 20 minutes is great. Gold standard for TV. What do you think of WandaVision? Have you watched it? Do you, like me, see cynical dollars behind everything? Or are you, like Phil, still childlike and full of wonderment? It's sort of mixed. I feel like I'm becoming jaded the more I know you, Laurie. So it's sort of... It's not my fault. Everyone always says that to me. I just, you know, oh, let's move on. Hey, well, this uh, brings us to the end of episode two of Flicks and Film with Laurie and Phil. Laurie and Phil, Flicks and Film. Tell your friends... (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing about that. No, do tell your friends. <laughs> Please actually tell your friends. If we're going to do this, let's let's try and get people to listen. You know? That's right. We'll commit to it week by week. 
Um, and it's going to be fun. I think that we've got a good chance of getting some momentum and some fun. And just with Super Baby Bros, just like with that show, it really depends on you guys as well. So get in touch. We love to read your emails out. And, you know, I'm sure you prefer to hear us talking about you and what you've said more than what we think, we think for at least part of this show. Flixandfilm at gmail.com or at Flixandfilm on Twitter. That's where we are. Let us know what you think of the new show, the new format. Let us know if there's things you'd like us to cover. We're always up for ideas. And with this particular show, there's a bit more flexibility with that. Phil gave us a little bit of that now with the speed running on YouTube. Uh, Weird and Wonderful is always a good way to go, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, Join us next week, Phil. Here's my bonus. It's a really short one. Um, Have you seen New Girl, haven't you? I have seen New Girl. A lot of yelling. I really recommend finding an episode. It's the episode, I think, where Jess's dad, played by Rob Reiner, gets married. It's always been a surprise to me to see Rob Reiner in that show. But there's one particular scene he's in that I felt entranced by. He walks into, it's like a wine cellar where they're having some kind of reception. And it's one of the strongest entrances to a room (laughs) I think I've ever seen. I wasn't even there. But I was impressed by the power and the charisma of the man before he'd even said a word. Like, I'm not even kidding. He walks in and the expression on his face, the way he shakes people's hands, that is like the, the entrance of a statesman. I genuinely think it's worth studying. Do you think about how you enter, enter rooms at all? I, I haven't, but now I will. How would you enter a room to be impressive? Well, I'm going to take notes from this scene. I'm not even kidding about that. I'll see if I can find a clip for you and, uh, and put it online along with the show. Is it the walk you do, a gate? It's much more to do with posture. Like he looks, he walks in like he owns the room and he goes for the, I can't remember whether he goes for the two-handed shake or not, but you know where you do the handshake. And that's a power move. That's top. a big power move. But that's what I'm telling you. It works, man. You see this scene and you'll know what I mean. And Rob Reiner, let's be honest, Hollywood sort of royalty, isn't he? I bet you he does own quite a lot of rooms that he walks into. Maybe literally. It's a terrible joke. <laughs> But that's the end of that. That's my bonus, and that really is the end of the show. Have a great week, listeners. Thank you for joining in. Thanks, Phil. Have a good one. Cheers. You too, man. Bye. Uh, hold on. Yeah. Um, la, 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 la. She looks like Adele. Um, Scarlet Witch in thingy. No, she doesn't. I'll show you exactly, you'll see in a second, my, um, you got on the screen share. Oh, can you see? Yeah. Look at her. She look, look in that third one. She looks just like Adele. Except her face is entirely not like Adele's. She looks just like She's Adele. She's got hair like Adele. That's she really looks it. like a lot like Adele. That's what I think. I'm glad you agree. I don't here's, agree. <laughs> here's Tenet. Here we go. Oh my word. <laughs> you hear how loud that was? So loud. <laughs> so loud. Oh man. Um, I was thinking, well, your name's Laurie, my name's Phil, mm-hmm. LP. Um, the Long play. The, People would think it's a show about records. Carry I don't on. think that's true. I think... I think it is. I think Super Bailey Bros, people didn't think it was about... Uh, they didn't think about, it was about video games, so I think we managed to get away with that one. Um, <laughs> well, the thing Super is, is I keep on going back to flicks and films and Super Bailey Bros. I was a superhero slash a beloved video game character in my previous iteration, and now I'm just... A flickered filmer. You put, okay, here's what's you've written one alternative name, which wasn't good enough. So you said you had loads of other ideas. Have you got another one? Yeah, I was I was playing with the idea the week that was uh, the weekenders. The uh, so you kind of end the week with us and what, it's already what a we've TV been doing show. this week. I know they're great names though. You got to got to agree they're good names. Um, I don't think it really sells it. I think this is simple. I really do. And now we're getting into an actual business discussion. I thought this is going to be <laughs> funny. <laughs> Once I turn you into a sketch character, we'll see how you like it.
all right. That's ten hat done. Yeah. Uh I, I shouted that really loudly. It's not gonna go well in editing. I just say, we'll see. We'll see we'll see who's laughing after the sketches, eh? No, hold on. Once I've turned you into a sketch character, then we'll see who's laughing. I don't like that either. Then we'll see you laughing. I know. Uh, we'll see who's laughing once uh, I've turned you into a script character, hey? A script character. I can't, what's happened to me? I can't do this. We'll see who's laughing after I've made you into a sketch. I don't want to do it now at all. I don't want to keep it out. Leave it, leave it right. as it was. It was the end of that. Time.